Welcome to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates Art of Living interview series on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang. And as part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series, we have a wonderful, joyous, and important interview with our guest, New York Times bestselling author Jennifer Ackerman, who I'll introduce in just a moment. But quickly, if you missed any episodes, last week was our 718th episode when I spoke with University of Michigan's Gerald R. Ford Distinguished Professor, Dr. Arthur Lupia, who's written recently in Nature magazine about how political endorsements impact scientific credibility. Two weeks ago, in honor of Memorial Day and the USS Arizona, I spoke with Kevin Klein, executive director of Operation 85 and the USS Arizona. There are still 85 unknown Navy and Marine service members from the USS Arizona whose remains are in an unmarked grave, and we can help find them. Excellent subjects for our Not Old Better Show audience. And if you miss those shows, along with any others, you can go back and check them out along with my entire back catalog of shows, all free for you there on our website, notold-better.com. You can Google Not Old Better and get everything you need to know about us, too. For millennia, owls have captivated and intrigued us. Our fascination with these mysterious birds was first documented more than 30,000 years ago in the Chauvet Cave paintings in southern France. With their forward-looking eyes and gaze and quiet flight, owls are often a symbol of wisdom, knowledge, and foresight. But what does an owl really know? And what do we really know about owls? Scientists have only recently begun to understand in deep detail the complex nature of these extraordinary avians. Some 260 species of owls exist today, and they reside on every continent except Antarctica. But they are far more difficult to find and study than other birds because they are cryptic, camouflaged, and mostly active in the dark of night. Our guest today, Smithsonian Associate Jennifer Ackerman, author of the New York Times bestseller, The Genius of Birds, pulls back the curtain on the nature of the world's most enigmatic birds as she explores with us the rich biology and natural history of owls and examines remarkable new scientific discoveries about owls' brains and their behavior. Smithsonian Associate Jennifer Ackerman has been writing about science, nature, and health for three decades. Her work aims to explain and interpret science for a lay audience and to explore the riddle of humanity's place in the natural world, blending scientific knowledge with imaginative vision. Jennifer Ackerman will be appearing at Smithsonian Associates coming up, so please check out our show notes or the Smithsonian Associates website for more details. But we have Jennifer Ackerman today, and here's a brief passage read by Jennifer Ackerman from her new book, What an Owl Knows, The New Science of the World's Most Enigmatic Bird, which is the title of her upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation. I'm going to start with a a brief reading adapted from the introduction to What an Owl Knows, and it's about my most vivid encounter with an owl. It was one day last spring in western Montana. I was with Denver Holt, who's one of the world's foremost experts on owls. We were in a gully full of hawthorn and choke cherry trees, and we just trapped the female long-eared owl in a nest net. I had seen this owl earlier while she was roosting in a hawthorn tree in the gully. She was so well camouflaged, she was almost impossible to see. She truly looked less like an owl 
and more like a broken tree branch. She was all stretched up vertically, very tall, and her long ear tufts, the plumicorns that give the long-eared owl its name, were fully extended. She was grayish-brown and striped with vertical streaks, just like, a, just like tree bark. I was supposed to keep my eyes on her, but every time I looked away, even for a second, I had trouble spotting her again. If it hadn't been for her bright yellow eyes, I would never have known she was there. We had to work hard to trap her. She was a mature bird and very wary, not easily fooled. But when we finally did catch her, Denver and his team weighed her, measured her, and attached an identification band to her leg. And then I got to hold her. It was the most amazing experience. Her legs were big and strong, and her talons were razor sharp, killer talons tucked between my fingers. But her wings, her wings were soft as rabbit's fur. And I thought of how an owl's feathers are so soft because they have this velvet-like covering which hushes the sound of their flight. This is the thing about owls. They're ferocious and also soft and tender. They're cute and also brutal. They're familiar with their big round heads and forward-facing eyes like ours, and also strange, otherworldly. This bird, she locked eyes with me in a kind of cat-like stare. So there we were, eye to eye, creature to creature, with what felt like a powerful connection, both of us questioning, what are you? And I was wondering, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? I held her for a while and just marveled at how beautiful she was and how superbly adapted to her world, so quiet, so skilled. Afterwards, we took her back into the gully to release her. I crouched in a tunnel of alders and pointed her toward a narrow opening through the branches. Then I cocked my wrist a little and opened my fingers. That bird lifted off without a sound, spread her wings, and vanished into the thicket. For me, this moment was intense and deeply affecting. It made me feel part of something much, much bigger. That, of course, is New York Times bestselling author Jennifer Ackerman reading from her new book, What an Owl Knows, The New Science of the World's Most Enigmatic Bird. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast Smithsonian Associate Jennifer Ackerman. Jennifer Ackerman, New York Times bestselling author of The Genius of Birds and the Birdway, author of the new book, What an Owl Knows, Smithsonian Associate. Oh, my gosh. It's so great to talk to you. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Paul. It's a delight to be here. It's really so nice to talk to you. Congratulations on on all your work, but especially this new book, What an Owl Knows, The New Science of the World's Most Enigmatic Birds. You'll be appearing at Smithsonian Associates coming up here on the 26th of June. We're going to have links so that our audience can find out more about you, your presentation, this wonderful new book, which we're going to talk about today. But why don't we start just by talking about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation, maybe just briefly tell us about that. That'll be via Zoom. We're all on Zoom these days, but maybe give us a little hint as to how you'll be using Zoom to engage our audience. Yes. Well, I'm very excited to share highlights from the book of what I consider some of the more astonishing new revelations about owls, what we've learned lately about their amazing senses and their stealthy flight and the surprising ways they communicate, court, raise their young. Um, many of these new discoveries are, are really unexpected. They're overturning old ideas about owls. And it turns out that so much of what we knew or thought we knew is just plain wrong. So 
So the presentation explores lots of different aspects of owls, and it's illustrated with more than a hundred truly fabulous uh, photos, videos, and recordings of owls, which offer a really intimate view of these extraordinary birds. Thank you for that. I I do think they're extraordinary too. I. I just, I love this opportunity to talk to you. I've got a copy of the book in my hands. Thank you for sharing it with me. The pictures are fantastic. I want to encourage our audience to go out and pick up a copy of the book, especially these pictures of the chicks of the owls. You've got a couple of photos and they're just adorable and they do have their eyes facing forward. You've generously read to us a section about their ferocious yet silent nature. I think we're all so fascinated by them. Why is it that they capture so much human attention and interest? Because they are unique in that way. They really are. You know, I think we we humans have been obsessed with owls for tens of thousands of years, literally. Um, among the oldest examples of cave art is an etching of an owl in the Chauvet Cave of southwestern France. And that dates from 36,000 years ago. And really now in cultures all over the world, uh, owls appear frequently in stories and as symbols. You know, sometimes of wisdom and beneficence, sometimes um, as emblems of evil and omens of death. And I really think it's a combination of things that makes these birds so powerful. Um, first of all, as we mentioned, we, we see something very deeply familiar in them. They're, they have these big round heads and big expressive forward-facing eyes. And they're often very cute, as you point out, especially the chicks. Mm-hmm. But they're also <laughs> these um, fierce hunters and nocturnal. They're mysterious. They navigate the night. And it's really kind of spooky how they appear out of the dark without advance notice. You know, living things aren't supposed to just appear and disappear <laughs> in this way. And owls, they seem to break the rules. And I think it's part of why we put them in the, the supernatural category. So I think it's really this whole package of, you know, cute and brutal, familiar, strange, mysterious, hard to see with these incredibly cool, incredibly sophisticated sensory powers that allow them to hunt in the pitch black. It's really the the whole package, I think, that makes these birds so exciting. Yeah, I I just agree. I want to ask you a little bit about the sensory aspect of of their abilities. We've often, you know, associated with owls um, this aspect of, of wisdom and mystery. The sensory aspect, I think, is a fascinating one. Are owls wise and intelligent and maybe touch on what you learned um, that lended itself so much to to understanding this sensory ability of owls. Yes. So, you know, we used to think that owls were, you know, they were largely kind of hardwired. They weren't very bright. I mean, they they have a reputation, you know, as, um, as, you know, wise. Um, They're linked with Athena, the goddess of wisdom. And I think that's because of their human-like appearance and also that they're highly capable hunters. But, you know, for, for a long time, we, um, in the, in the world of ornithology, they just didn't consider, uh, owls very intelligent, not like crows and parrots. And I think, you know, the science of understanding the minds of other animals is really still in its infancy. And, you know, we still tend to view intelligence through our own lens. But there's really a growing awareness of the different kinds of intelligence, um, different ways of knowing in the animal world. And, and I think they're hard to conceive of and sometimes hard to measure. And on the question of owl intelligence, the science has really been swinging back and forth. And it's true that, that owls are not smart in the same ways that parrots and corvids are smart. But they do have large brains for their body size, um, just as some other birds do. 
and also perhaps, you know, ways of knowing that are just different from ours, hard to recognize and hard to measure. Um, I will say people who train raptors, they used to consider owls not as bright as other birds, but now they're beginning to um, do a real 180 on this. Um, under, and they're, they're understanding the subtleties and complexity of owl behavior and knowledge, and they're really changing their tune. Um, so now we understand that owls, they learn throughout life, and they just have a different mindset, a different learning style. Give us an example, if you would, uh, maybe an anecdote or uh, something that comes from your research, uh, you know, in writing the book that, that really kind of illustrates this, this, this depth of Al's knowledge as we're, as we're learning now currently about this and how that's really driven their survival and their, their hunting capabilities and, and strategies. Yeah. So, you know, um, owls are, uh, they've been called the Ferraris of sound sensitivity. Their hearing is really <laughs> extraordinary and it la- allows them to hunt in the dark and pinpoint their prey with just astonishing accuracy. And, you know, their quiet flight enables them to sneak up on a mouse or a vole and, and also to hear its faint muscle, uh, muffled rustling. So they, they take their prey um, completely by surprise. Um, and I think one of the, the, um, the stories I like to tell about the um, surprising intelligence of, of, and skill of these owls, there's an, uh, an ornithologist named Rob Beauregard, and he actually trains wild barred owls to come to a whistle so that he can tag them with a GPS tracker or retrieve that tracker. And what he does is he puts down a mouse in a field, um, in a grassy field, and a barred owl will quickly come down and take the mouse. And Rob whistles. And then he puts down another mouse. The bird comes, Rob whistles, another mouse, a whistle. After only three mice, these birds come to that whistle. And it only takes a day for them to learn and only three of these mouse sessions. So that's quite extraordinary, really. And one owl remembered the training, um, this kind of training, a full three years later, and he came to Rob's whistle. So that memory for places and circumstances that yield food are really important for successful hunting and survival. Hi, it's Paul. Do you love entertaining, informative, eclectic, insightful programs about culture, health, science, life, and everything Smithsonian? As part of our Smithsonian Associates interview series on radio and podcast, we're introducing you to the new Smithsonian Associates streaming series. Smithsonian, a nonprofit organization, is excited to present this new aspect of their 55 years as the world's largest museum-based educational program. Join us from the comfort of your home as we periodically interview Smithsonian Associate guest speakers. Our audience here on radio and podcast can explore our website for more information, links, and details at notold-better.com. Thanks, everybody. We are with author Jennifer Ackerman. Jennifer Ackerman is an award-winning New York Times bestselling author. She's written The Genius of Birds and The Bird Way, along with a bunch of other fantastic articles science-oriented, wonderful stuff. Her new book is What an Owl Knows, The New Science of the World's Most Enigmatic Birds. Jennifer Ackerman will be appearing at Smithsonian Associates. Coming up here, we will have links so that our audience can find out more information about Jennifer Ackerman's new book, What an Owl Knows. Jennifer Ackerman, thank you so much for reading from your book. That, that's so It's fascinating to hear all of this information about owls. And I think as humans, we have... 
we, we do have deep connections with animals, but it seems almost like the relationship that we have with owls is a unique one. And I wonder if you'll tell us about some of the fascinating people that you came across while studying uh, these just these magnificent birds, because the, the human aspect of all of this is an interesting one, too. It really is. Um, in my research, I, I talked with owl experts all over the world and, and spent time in the field with really some of the best of them. And these are people who have devoted their lives to owls. Um, one of them is David Johnson, who runs the Global Owl Project. And he was first turned on to owls when he was just um, a boy and he was camping in Minnesota. And a, a screech owl landed on his pup tent and perched there, calling for 20 minutes. And David said he felt like owls chose him. And, you know, it's a good thing they did because now he runs this um, global project to study and protect owls all over the world. Um, another person is is Denver Holt, who's uh, known throughout the, the bird world as the, the owl guy. And he has spent more than four decades conducting these long-term studies of, of different species of owls, and including snowy owls and great gray owls. These kind of people are just exceptionally dedicated, even in the in the world of, of ornithology and and birds. Th- this group, for some reason, um, they seem just especially uh, dedicated and um, little, you know just just devoted. I, I also spent time with um, citizen scientists who are volunteering their efforts to help us understand and conserve these birds. There is a heart surgeon who has now become an expert on the breeding behavior of northern pygmy owls. Um, There's an emergency room nurse at a hospital. She spends her nights standing migrating northern sawwit owls. Um, And then another example is a former musician who turned her very keen ear to understanding the vocalizations of the magnificent uh, Eurasian eagle owl. So these are some of the, the these really dedicated people. And then there are the specialists who work with um, captive owls to heal them if they're injured or um, train them to be ambassadors of the owl world. And these people, they're learning things that you can only learn up close one-on-one with an owl. And it's really um, some of the, the fascinating mysteries of their individuality and personality, their emotions and, and intelligence. You know, with climate change, we're all facing um, challenges and environmental ecological challenges. And I wonder what role owls play in maintaining kind of this balance and, and how they're being impacted by all of this um, change that uh, we're seeing due to climate. Yes. Well, owls um, play a big role in so many ecosystems. Uh, they are so-called apex predators and they have a huge influence on all the species below them in the food chain. You know, there are lots of examples of this in the natural world. And I think of the loss of wolves at Yellowstone that resulted in overbrowsing of trees and shrubs by deer. Um, that in turn affected migratory birds, robbing them of critical food sources. And, you know, owls are really wolves of the sky and they help to maintain this environmental balance and the, and the, the real integrity of ecosystems. And if they fail, the species they prey on can become overabundant, which can harm other species, both animals and plants. And I think, um, you know, now more than ever, uh, birds of all kinds, including owls, are threatened by habitat loss and climate change. And especially vulnerable are those species that depend on uh, very specific 
kinds of niches, environmental niches, um, those that, that live in the mountains um, and on islands. These are species that are, uh, are under great threat from, uh, from climate change and, and habitat loss, especially you know, agricultural and development and residential development. These are eating up some of the, the old growth forests um, where owls like to nest and also the grasslands where they hunt. Um, and so there's just been a, a tremendous amount of, of habitat loss for these reasons. I will tell you, Jennifer Ackerman, in our quiet neighborhood where my wife and I live, we have some barred owls and we see them occasionally. It, it, it's almost some years we see them, some years we don't, but um, we hear them at night and that's that's a, a really a great thing for, for us we we enjoy that and so i wonder if you'll tell us about owl calls and in particular maybe tell us how they differ from a songbird call because we have the northern wren where we live and they're they just have this beautiful song owls do something different right yes they do so owl vocalizations they're genetically inherited whereas songbirds actually learn their songs through a a process called vocal learning, which is very rare in the animal world. And, and it's, um, it involves listening, imitating, and practicing, just like our learning to speak. Now, the, the, the basic structure of owl hoots and calls may be hardwired, but what we're learning is that the, the, these uh, calls and hoots, these vocalizations in owls, they're subtle and complex, and they carry very specific information about an owl's individual identity, and its sex, size, weight, state of mind. You know, we, we thought kind of a hoot was just a hoot, but <laughs> it turns out that owls just have these very elaborate vocal repertoires and very complicated conversations that are just teeming with meaning. And is some of the meaning territorial? Are they communicating? Because we do hear at night, late, we'll hear these calls. We're, we will hear literally the owl call. And then it seems like from further away, we're hearing another call, perhaps. Is that a territorial thing? Are they actually communicating with one another? Yes, they're establishing territorial boundaries. So owls use um, vocalizations rather than physical. Um, uh, they establish the territorial boundaries through hooting. And um, they do this so that they they don't um, fight physically. If you have a physical fight between an owl, you know, it's very risky. You can have a get a talon in the eye, and then it's game over for the owl. So they actually battle vocally. And this is the very cool thing. They have signature hoots, voices so distinct that other owls recognize one another by voice. And they use these vocalizations to identify their kin and communicate with mates, allies, and identify rivals. So that's helpful in establishing the boundaries of their territories. And um, also, this is uh, useful for uh, for us because we can also identify individual owls by their hoots. And um, it, this gives us uh, really two very important uh, tools. One of them is uh, that we can keep track of their populations more um, effectively and accurately. And also, it gives us a window into their uh, social lives. Um, find out whether they're who's mating with whom and whether uh, pairs are staying together or actually is there some uh, <laughs> some mate switching going on. 
Jennifer Ackerman is our guest today. She's written this wonderful new book, What an Owl Knows, The New Science of the World's Most Enigmatic Birds. The book is getting rave reviews, Jennifer Ackerman. Kirkus Review starred their review and said, fascinating food for thought for owl seekers and sure to please any lover of immersive treks into the lives of birds. I certainly am going to put myself into that category of somebody who loves uh, learning about these birds, and you've written so beautiful about it. I know our audience is going to just enjoy this book and enjoy your upcoming presentation. So final question for you, just real quickly. Tell us maybe about the challenges you faced in researching and writing about owls. And did you did you come across anything that was just unexpected or sur- so surprising that, that you want to share with us uh, on, on uh, just a, a last question? Absolutely. Um, you know, truth be told, I'm what they call a lark, a morning person. <laughs> so it was challenging for me to explore nocturnal creatures like owls. Yeah. But I really did love being in the woods at night and, you know, sensing the, the world that's their world. It's just all shadows and sounds. Um, it, that that was remarkable for me, challenging, but also just so, so fascinating. And I think also challenging was just the, the sheer volume of the material I was gathering. There were just so many great stories, and sometimes the chapters would kind of balloon. Um, but, you know, editing out the extraneous stuff, the sculpting and crafting of, of the story, the narrative for me is just a joyful experience. Um, I kind of like to imagine that I'm, I'm writing a letter to an interested friend, and that helps me sort out what's, what's critical and interesting and what I can leave on the, the cutting room floor. Um, and you asked about what, what, what was kind of surprising or, mm-hmm. or unexpected. And I think one of the funny and remarkable findings I loved was the news that uh, burrowing owls, you know, these little owls that actually nest underground in the burrows of prairie dogs, armadillos, woodchucks, they actually decorate their burrows <laughs> with all kinds of treasures like corn cobs, corn stalks, cattle dung, coyote scat little pieces of fabric, and they actually have favorite colors, uh, bits of concrete, hunks of moss. I just love that idea. And um, and some of the, the actual gatherings of these objects were just so, so delightful and funny. Oh, that is great to know. I, I had no idea. That is fascinating, too. Jennifer Ackerman, what a pleasure it's been talking to you. I know that you'll be presenting at Smithsonian Associates coming up. We will make sure that our audience knows well the links that they can follow to find out information about this. But I really want to encourage everybody to go out, grab this book, What an Owl Knows, The New Science of the World's Most Enigmatic Birds. Jennifer Ackerman has been our guest. She's the author of this book. Jennifer Ackerman, thank you for your time. Thanks for your generous reading. Um, Congratulations again on the book. And please come back. Talk to us again. I know our audience is just going to love this subject, but all of your science writing and all of the work that you do will be of interest to us. So please, please come back. I'll just tell you selfishly right up front. We'd love to have you back. Thank you so much, Paul. It was just pure joy to talk with you. My thanks to Smithsonian Associate Jennifer Ackerman. Jennifer Ackerman will be appearing at Smithsonian Associates coming up, so please check out our show notes or the Smithsonian Associates webpage for more details. My thanks to the wonderful Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not All Better Show audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well, be safe, and let's talk about better. The Not All Better Show on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next week.